Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and hey, it's election day, and I don't know about all of you guys, but we are glad, no matter who wins at this point, <laughs> that the election is over. I'm so sick of yes. hearing about all the oh, hype and news and annoyances during the day of asking me who I'm going to vote for and all the rest of it. So anyway, all over, and there's still you know, basically a month and a half left for us to focus on really setting the stage for you to have the best year ever. And I've got great news for you, especially, you know, you guys will have known this for quite a while if you've been our longtime listeners, as most of you are, that we are predicting that 2021, and frankly, for probably at least the next five years, it's going to continue to be an amazing real estate market. Now, there are going to be constraints, and frankly, there are going to be a shifting of the guard in terms of the agents that are uh, the dominant agents in the country. But if you listen to us every single day, you can make sure you're part of the new agent order opposed to the uh, soon-to-be-departing old agent order. Mm -hmm. And yes, I am talking about the fact that we are migrating from a relationships-based business as a primary source of business to a skills-based business, and that's what we're all about. And before Julie and I uh, get to our next point in the topic of today's show, Julie, let, let's remind all of them. Yes, we're continuing with our listing process rules. These are the rules that you deploy so that you're ready to be the best listing agent you can be. And we're going to talk about that next week. You know, we talk about the importance of being a listing agent and doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. But, you know, there's a difference between coaching and training or managing. And I think the difference in coaching and what we do is that we actually show you what we mean by that. Anybody can say you need more listings. Of course, everybody listening needs more listings all the time. Well, that's just kind of telling you to do something. That's not showing you how to do it much less at the highest level. So we'll get into the nitty gritty next week. It's what we call drilling down, right? Drilling we get down. to the granular, yeah. the micro steps. That, and by the way, if you guys are looking for to know what your granular micro, micro steps should be as you lead into the new year. And by the way, can you, I, look, isn't it bizarre? Hey, oh, by the way, I wanted to surprise you with us. Okay. Um, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah, you too. How'd that happen? Am I officially the first one to say that to you? Yes. Oh, that's cool. I, well, Let's see. Zoe thought she saw Thanksgiving fireworks last night. So she might have beat you a little bit, but officially, happy holidays. Those are just you. Monday afternoon fireworks in Puerto Rico. I know. <laughs> she loved them. So. Yeah. Well, in any event, yeah. So Merry Christmas to all of you. I wanted to try to be the first to tell you all that. And yeah. again, I'm kind of shocked and surprised and frankly thrilled that we're all saying that to each other once again as we lead into the new year uh, because 2020 has certainly been a year of um, very interesting uh, consortium of memories. With that in mind, do not just kick back and wait for the new year to roll in and as so many agents do, wait for the you know supposed spring market, the quote-unquote spring market to start before you actually get serious about your business again. Get a jump on it, guys. Go ahead and download the Real Estate Treasure Map. Download the 90-Day Massive Action Plan. These things are all free when you join the free coaching program. And if you want to join the free coaching program, all you have to do is text the word survival to 31996. Text the word survival to 31996. And when you do, here's what you're going to experience. So you're not surprised. You're going to receive a text back. The text back is going to have a little legal disclosure. And then you're going to have to type in the word yes, just saying that you want to receive the information about how to join the program. It's called double opt-inning. 
So once you do that, you're then going to get a link to the website that's going to allow you to log in. Now you're going to have to put in um, a username and password. It doesn't take very long. You can do it all on your phone. And then you're going to be in the free coaching program. Now let me tell you about your experience when you get into the free coaching program. It is overwhelming with the value that we are providing for a total some amount of zero. Um, we give you, all, I think it's seven or eight different books and guides. But in addition to that, you do get a daily semi-private coaching call that's run on most days by head coach Julie. Now we have other, have other coaches as well, but Julie um, is a little crazy and she actually likes doing that daily call. Indeed. Yeah. So, and there's a really great community that's formed. And now for those of you who are in the premier coaching program, and frankly, those of you who are in the free coaching program, understand that the difference between the free coaching program and the a premier coaching program couldn't be any different because with the premier coaching program, you get all of the system that is called the premier coaching program. With the free coaching program, you just get a basically maybe 1%. It's not any more than that. But here's the bottom line. You do get it um, as a member of the free coaching program. You do get to attend the daily semi-private coaching call. And effective, I believe next week, those who are in the free, or I'm sorry, in the premier coaching program, you are then going to be entitled to a second coaching call every single day, which is going to happen on our Facebook members page. We finally have all that set up. And um, yeah, so that's going to be starting at effective next week. You're going to receive up to an hour's worth of live coaching every single day. Uh, now, this is something that's extraordinary, never been done before in the industry, but it's going to give you the answers that you need. We are going to continue to increase the services and the value of the services we provide because we know that going into next year, the challenges that many of you are going to face are going to be things that you've never even thought uh, that you would ever you know, face in your real estate business. So if you want to join the free coaching program, go ahead and text the word SURVIVAL to 31996. Go ahead and text the word SURVIVAL to 31996. Um, and then we'll be giving you more information as we roll into the new year about um, the premier coaching program. But when you do text the word survival to 31996, we're going to text you back, you know, the disclaimers about texting, and then you're going to be able to click the link and you're going to be able to join. Then you're going to be able to download the real estate treasure map, and the 90 day success plan. Um, and then you'll also receive a call from one of our new member coaches that will tell you about how you might be interested in, in joining the normal coaching program. But please do text the word survival to 31996. Okay, commercial over. Let's yes. get to our next point. Okay, and remember, these are the points getting you ready to do the real nitty gritty, talking about scripts and presentation and objection handling and closing. You've got to be in the right position for all of that to work and build your confidence and know how to handle yourself at the most uh, competitive types of appointments. You know, the listing appointment does require more skill and more work, but you can do it. So point number nine, and this is fun. I worked a lot on this with coaching clients. And I think you have too. Point number nine, upgrade everything. We have a dedicated chapter in the book called rule number 18 that really drills down on that. But rule number nine, upgrade everything. Your confidence can be affected by many things that can be improved. How many of you guys run around the wilds of real estate saying, oh, it's out of my control all the time. So control the things that you can control, right? So your confidence can be affected by many different things that you can improve upon with a bit of upgrading. Your wardrobe, your spelling. I've seen emails before where, okay, maybe English is your fourth language and you get a hall pass on that, but work on it. Get spell check, right? Get Grammarly. Your teeth, your makeup, your speech, your friends possibly, your car, your neighborhood, your hair, your glasses, your office, your accent, your attitude. If people can't understand you, get an accent coach. That's okay. They actually exist. Um, you know, I've seen some of these, um, you know, the headshot competitions on these realtor pages. Okay. So 
Some of you guys think that an acceptable business wardrobe is torn up jeans. No, 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 no. You need to be a minimum of one notch nicer than whoever you're in front of. Here's a tip for you. Don't make, don't take half measures in correcting all of this. You'll end up spending more time and money in the long run. Make a list of items that cause you any level of insecurity and add them to your goals list. Remember, goals are specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time-bound. If you need to upgrade your car, identify what it's going to be by when you'll have it and what you need to do to pay for it. Are you going to lease something? Are you going to buy something? Actually get in front of that. I've had coaching clients that rent something for a while until they you know, can actually buy something decent. It's okay, but it's not okay to wait forever to do it. So you, How many of those things get you off your game because you're afraid somebody's gonna criticize you? It's ridiculous that agents will actually debate. It's like a race to the bottom as far as how they can dress. Yeah. They they seem to they seem to take pride and like to brag. Not all agents, but a lot of agents. How crappy they can dress and look and still do transactions. That's what I was talking about on the yeah. I know some of the I, stuff I've, I've seen. seen right, I've seen pictures of agents post pictures of themselves that they look homeless basically, and it's and they're prideful in how poor their appearance is and how they can still transact. And they're saying that they basically are you know transact. This is how everyone else dresses. Okay, I have two thoughts for you. If everyone else is dressing like you, what you appear in that picture in your marketplace, maybe it's really a good opportunity for you to think about. Well, is that where I want to be selling real estate? So there's that. And yeah. second of all, whenever you're dressing, the way to dress, and Julie's going to talk about more because again, this is we're grinding it out. We're getting down to the granular. We're trying to help you guys cut through the BS that's out there. You go to these Facebook groups, you're going to be filled with all these opinions, and you lose any sort of you know, resemblance to normalcy as far as business practices. Here's the rule. If you're doing business and you're wondering how you should dress, don't dress like the people you're trying to sell to. That is not your goal. You're trying to, you need to dress at least one notch above how they dress. And the easiest way to do it, if you live in a casual area, is just wear a, a collared shirt, a business polo type casual. shirt, business casual, right? Don't go full casual. And I'll, here's the subconscious message you're sending to those people. That A, you just got done fixing somebody's plumbing or worse. <laughs> you know, you're in somebody's plumbing because you look, you know, so bad. Number two, you are, you're not respectful of the fact that you're there to do business with them. Even in the most casual, most laid back flip-flop wearing beach right. tones if, if you show up and you're looking like uh you just essentially came off your adirondack chair you, they're going to immediately have less respect than somebody that shows up looking professional how you look does matter do not convince yourself otherwise and nothing will ever change that you know that is something that's deeply wired into our brains think about all the way back to you know <laughs> back to the uh you know, when people were in caves and we were dealing with, you know, we're tribal humans. And, you know, I read an article. Did you read it? That article I sent you with the fact that they found out that modern man were mm-hmm. warring with Neanderthals for a hundred thousand years. No, I didn't read that yeah, yet. That's interesting. A hundred thousand years. Yeah. That's good stuff. Uh, that's good for the Sunday show. Yes. But I'm just thinking, I bet you even back then, the Neanderthals that were the ones that were of higher stature were probably dressed a little bit nicer than the ones probably. that were. Yeah. So it does, there's a deeply rooted sort of circadian brain, base brain effect that triggers in your mind when you see somebody that's dressed a little bit nicer. This would be a good opportunity for you to tell your story, how you used to peel a lot of business out of your uh, orchestra. Yeah, well, okay, so before we get to that, and that is true, there's another version of poorly going about this. And I see this on, you know, the whole which headshot do you like better Facebook pages. Some of, and this is mostly the women, you guys are taking it way too far on looking too sexy. And I'll give you an example. 
when somebody's thinking about who they're going to use, let's say it's a relocating executive couple, okay, and they're deciding who they're going to use and they look at your Facebook page and it's just the guy and, you know, he doesn't want to feel weird about you being overly looking like sexy realtor and his wife certainly isn't going to appreciate that. So don't take it too far. Don't well, we, look like you're selling something else. I know what you're thinking and you don't want to tell a story because you don't want to embarrass her, but I'm all for embarrassing her. <laughs> so Rochelle, who is a coach for that us. That might have been what I was thinking. I know what you're thinking. Rochelle, who is a coach for us, um, used to work for us when we sold real estate. So, you know, generally speaking, when we find great people, we keep them in our lives forever. Lead buyer's agent. Yeah. Yes. So this was, this was two decades ago, if you want to put this into perspective. So we had this great relocating uh, couple and she dressed a little bit too, she was dressed age appropriate. I'm not going to say she wasn't. And she was like a fitness, you know, person and she was in great shape. And so she intimidated the wife. So the wife, the wife and the husband show up, they're here for a house hunting thing. And because she's dressed a little bit too flirty, as we say, she essentially turned the wife off. Wait, I forget how we saved the sale. I we, think we ended up working with them. Yeah, we or did, did or, or Nate did or somebody. Did. Yeah, but we figured that out that that's what was going on. Um, and I think we actually found out, now that I'm remembering this, I can't believe we remember this. <laughs> But I think it was because we were working with other people from the same company that were reloading. And one of his workmates told us that that was the experience yeah. and that was what was going to happen. And we that, were about to lose the clients. Because right. Of it. And so there's just a fair example. Now, let me, let me this is especially because it's Rochelle's birthday week, but it can't be too crazy about it. But she wasn't dressing overly sexy. She no. was just a little flirty and she's got a very bubbly personality in the first place. Well, she should have, she you know, should have dressed, she should have dressed. Uh, appropriately, given the stature yes. of the people she was working with, and given the fact that those people were at the time were probably 20 years older than her. And from that moment on, she started pulling her hair up and wearing glasses. That's right. And toning it down a bit. Right. Okay? We've had this discussion in Premiere before, too, and we, we talk about different ways to do this without you know, losing a fortune. You've got really nice high-end consignment stores that have let's, brands. Again, let's hover and there. And J. Crew, and we you have like, you know. Let's hover there. Yeah. So when we first got into business, we had no money. No money. And our, no money. our first year in the business, we sold 103 houses, but we had to have nice presentation clothes. And what Julie and I did is we went to exactly what she just said. Do you talk about this in the book? Mm -hmm. Oh, we went to a consignment store and that's where we got our clothes. So yes, a high-end thrift shop. When you see those pictures from Julie and I, we were in our early twenties <laughs> that were all over the place, yep. you know, those were all, and the reason they fit so poorly is because they were all clothes from thrift shops. But they were still better than like trying to throw it together at the last minute. So if you are not in, if you're not flush with cash and you know you need to upgrade your wardrobe, go to a high-end consignment store, buy the clothes and then take them to a tailor and have them cut so that they exactly. fit you. We didn't do that. That's the reason that we look so silly in those pictures, <laughs> you know, but that's an idea idea for all of you. So don't use, I don't have money and I can't go shopping at Neiman Marcus. Is Neiman right. Marcus still in business? I don't I think, think so. It, I don't know. Yeah. But whatever, it, the point being is don't use that as an excuse not to dress nicer. Now, Julie, can you tell your story about the orchestra? Yeah. Well, so a case in point here is, you know, uh, we used to do a, a fair amount of transactions as a result of my orchestra friends. So I would play in a couple of different orchestras and every time I would go to rehearsal, I would make sure that I looked nice, I dressed nice, nicely, my nails were done, I had decent purse, decent shoes. And you know, it was great I, unintended prospecting because they would always say, gosh, you always look so nice, what do you do? Which opened me up for the Ford script, family, occupation, recreation, dreams. Oh, I just came from a closing, I'm in real estate. Real estate, how's that going, okay? And so that turned into leads. And the cool thing about a group like musicians is 
they didn't know 5 million realtors. As soon as you had one of their trust, then of course that was a huge center of influence. But even if they did, the point yeah. being is that you were at their practices and they knew Upgraded. you were one of them. Yeah. And so this, again, this all, Julie was not in the orchestra. It's like you guys, sometimes you have, you go, typically you see a similar scenario in church yeah. or in churches where people are like, I do not want to prospect people in church and there's against the rules, or maybe it's a homeowners association or something like that, where you guys think there's some sort of barrier to, to, uh, you know, to soliciting for business, which maybe there is. Maybe it's actually written into the bylaws or the, just maybe it's a communal understanding. If you show up looking nicer, like you just came from a closing, you will, you faster than you think, they'll start asking you why, mm -hmm. and then you bring up real estate, and then they can start talking to you about the market, and then you start getting uh, leads. I remember um, Julie and I would always track on whiteboards, those of you guys who are coaching clients, you'll know what I'm talking about. We, we track on whiteboards, all of our transactions. And we had a board for buyers, a board for sellers, and we would write the address, the dollar amount, you know, the sale price, the commission, and we'd then track the source of the business. Um, you know, sellers were red, buyers were blue. So uh, one of the things that I will never forget is we were about halfway into the year and we are adding up all of our transactions. I remember it was like 75 or 85 transactions. And as a percent, the biggest source of business was coming from Julie's music sphere. Now that was shocking to me. And, and this, it almost like a switch got flipped on. And I asked her, did your behavior change? Nope. Did you start talking to people? Nope. But what happens, we'd picked up one or two clients in the orchestra and then they were telling everyone else in the orchestra. Yeah, which is, you know, completely organic and completely okay. You guys mostly get weird, as Tim said, about the church thing. You're not walking up to somebody, you know, in front of the donuts on a Sunday afternoon and saying, when do you plan on moving? You're right. not, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about look like the professional that you intend to be. And people will come to you. Just make sure you're comfortable talking about real estate. Now, so let's talk about yeah. the car thing since you brought that up. Yeah. Another, it seems like evergreen topic in the, in the mm -hmm. you know, the halls of real estate. And this is it's hilarious to me when that this even comes up. Mm -hmm. The answer is the same as the closed thing. Okay. Now, depending on where you live in the country, depending on the nature of your market, that will answer your question about the type of car you drive. Um, if you drive, obviously, I remember uh, Valerie Fitzgerald. Mm -hmm. I had her on a podcast. And she is, I think, one of the top 10 realtors in the country. I'm sure she still is. And we were talking about cars. And she, at the time, was driving a Bentley. Well, then it was 2007 or 2008, again on the podcast. And she was talking about how the markets changed, how consumer behavior was changing because of the you know horrible housing recession. She's the one where I originally learned the term staycation from, you know, because mm -hmm. she'd normally gone to Paris every year. And now she's doing staycations. But she'd also sold the Bentley or was thinking about selling the Bentley and getting a Prius. You know, but that is that was her being sensitive to the perceptions of the marketplace. Um, one of the, you know, convent, I think in most markets, you're going to find certain cars that are universally acceptable, no matter whether you're pulling in front of a multi-million dollar mansion or something that's much less money. So there are cars like that that have that universal appeal. And I remember very clearly when Julie and I sold real estate, we would see people would um, frankly judge us. So we had, uh, if we drove a fancy car to a listing, even not even a fancy car, but a nice car to a listing appointment in a normal price neighborhood, that would work against us. Mm -hmm. And they would often tell us, I saw the car you drove up and stuff like that when they were trying to bring up commissions. So if you can find something that's universally acceptable, that sort of says successful, but not bragging about it, that's a, you know, that's the go-to car. And I think there's a lot of cars like that nowadays, frankly, because there's a lot of people that are hypersensitive to, um, you know, looking a certain way. And I think in those cases, it's going to be like something like a Tesla Model 3, honestly. I think that's kind of a home run car for that. 
Um, you know, and there's certainly a lot of American cars. If you're in the South, you definitely want to consider an American car. Like we know people in Texas, for example, not in Austin, but outside of Austin in real Texas, that they are sell, they are very, very wealthy. They sell multi-million dollar properties, um, you know, and they're selling ranches. They're selling just all kinds of estate properties and they drive pickup trucks. And if they drove anything else other than a pickup truck, they would look out of place. So again, be sensitive to it. Um, don't you know? Spend too much, or uh, don't try to over uh, you know drive your um, you know as far as appearances go, because people will hold it against you. This is all you guys talk a lot. A lot of people in the industry talk about branding. Well, this goes to your reputation because if you look like somebody who is you know always going to be a little bit sloppily dressed, you know, driving a car that looks like it's beat up, you are sending a message to those people that you're disorganized, you're not that successful, you don't really care about appearances. That's not the person they're going to want to hire, especially for the job of selling their house. So do take this stuff seriously. And, and the last little bit on cars, because a lot of you guys know I'm a car nerd. Um, in Atlanta, of all places, uh, Porsche uh, of America is based there, and they're starting, and a lot of other car manufacturers are starting to do the same thing, where you can basically, for a flat fee a month, and I think it's like starts at $800, you can do what amounts to uh, rent a, a Porsche and that includes insurance. So you basically pay a flat fee and you can change the car to a different kind of car anytime you want. So this isn't a lease or this isn't like going to Avis. This is, I think, I forget what they call it, but the gist of it is what I said. So call it McDonald's. She's the one that told me about this. So she might one day have a 911 convertible and another day have a, you know, some sort of SUV, depending on the nature of maybe she's working with some high-end buyers and so she wants a bigger car. So look for more automobile, automobile manufacturers to do similar things. Um, because that will save you a lot of money and it gives you versatility of what you drive. Which is pretty cool. And it is something you need to legitimately think about because it can go by both ways. One of the things that I used to notice as we were going to appointments is in this neighborhood, what do people typically drive, right? So, you know, do what the market expects of you. All right. Now, not everything's going to cost you money. How about number 10? Make eye contact. Upgrade that. Take this quick test. When facing a prospect or client, are you nervously looking around to see who else is in the room, what else is going on, or what kind of art's on the wall? If so, you have an eye contact issue. How do you fix it? You've got to tell yourself, maybe while you're in the car pulling up to go to this appointment, you've got to be absolutely fascinated by the prospect or client who is in front of you. It does make a difference. Make them feel like the most interesting, most special people you've ever had the pleasure of meeting. Make it all about them by asking questions, but be certain to actually listen to the answers. Uh, we started out this chapter by uh, talking about something that Howard Brinton said, your moments of truth. These are little snapshots where people subconsciously and consciously judge you. You can see people you know, noticing whether you have eye contact or not, noticing whether you got a decent watch on or not. What did you drive up in? These are moments of truth. Your real estate sign is a moment of truth. Does it look professional or is it kind of like, you know, one step away from a FISBO sign? Make sure all of your moments of truth are polished and represent the way you wish. Everything from your handshake to your real estate sign, all those little snapshots that add up to the picture that the public has of you. And I think, Tim, sometimes having so much social media where you can choose the picture that you put up, I think that's kind of dampened the importance of real life. And I think they're a little bit like removed from that in a different way, you know, like they see other people posting crazy weird pictures and they think that somehow that's acceptable. It's a business appointment. Show some respect. 
Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, doesn't this stuff all seem like, duh, common sense? And yet, how many agents basically don't pay attention to any of this? Or how many agents debate this? I always go back to the idea that you have to hire, let's say, a dentist. And just imagine what that experience is like. Now, think how most agents run their real estate practices. And just think with the big difference between how you know a true professional like your local dentist runs his business and how most agents run their business. It just doesn't even make sense. But this all goes back to the same point. It's easy to be very competitive in real estate because most agents aren't. It's easy, actually, to be very successful in real estate because most agents don't have the skill set and they frankly don't pay attention to the most basic you know, things that we've been talking about today on today's show. So if you're a seasoned professional in the business and you've been in the business for a long time and you're feeling an objection to what we're saying because you think somehow how you dress and all that stuff is some sort of creative expressionism and that's what attracts people to you and all this. Well, who are you thinking about? You're thinking about yourself. You're not thinking about the people you're trying to do business with. You're using your business as some sort of, again, creative outlet for yourself. That's not really the truest purpose of business. The the purpose of business is to basically provide a service to others that they're willing to pay for. In other words, be of service to other people. And where you, again, it's very easy to fall into the trap of basically, you know, tossing yourself into the ego vortex and thinking it's all about personal expression. It's not. It's about providing a service. That's what we do. That's what all of us do. So again, this stuff should be, you know, real estate 101, but it's not. So if you're in the business and you've been in the business a long time and, you know, you're having, you're finding what we're saying slightly objectionable, here's a suggestion to you. Why don't you just try it out for 60 days and see how the world reacts differently to you? Why don't you just maybe put the needs and the fears and the wants and the desires of the people you're trying to do business with you ahead of your own and just see how all of a sudden you start having a different reaction from prospective sellers. And what's more is you'll have people, if you look nice and you present nice, in other words, you're having a professional, you know, pre-listing pack and you're doing things professionally like we teach you to do in our coaching program and you show up and you follow our professional presentation, you look like a professional, do you think you will receive more objections or fewer? Of course, you're going to receive fewer. The reason you get objections is because most of the times you guys do not present professionally. You do not look professional. So they figure, well, what the heck? You're not a professional. You're probably going to be willing to cut your commission amongst other things. You guys get what I'm saying here? And I know the people on the coast in LA and New York and even Miami, you guys understand what I'm saying because there is power in looking really nice. Julie mentioned shoes. I know this is a stupid example, but it's so true. When Julie and I went from selling meat and potato houses in Columbus, Ohio, and we moved out to New Albany, which we had absolutely no familial connections with. We had no connections whatsoever. We did not grow up there. We did not go to the private elite schools that a lot of the fellow agents who we were competing against did. We did not know anybody in any way. And still within a very short while, we became dominant listing agents in that marketplace. I remember when Julie and I started selling uh, selling there that we would walk in and as part of our listing process, one of the things we ask you to do is consider taking your shoes off. Because it's a very basic thing. Again, we're teaching you how to be sales professionals. But if you walk into somebody's house and they're not wearing shoes and you wear shoes and you're walking around the house clipping and clopping. You just lost. You just lost because you're making them uncomfortable. You've introduced a noise that they find a little bit of offensive. That's the reason they don't wear their shoes in the house. So you've got to take your shoes off. Again, this should be sales 101. And yet how many of you right now are going, aha, that's a good point. <laughs> okay, so when you take your shoes off, If they say hush puppies on them and you're walking to an expensive house where they're wearing, what are they, what's fancy? Ferragamo or something. Whatever, right? They're going to immediately check you up and down and realize that you are 
obviously not experienced with selling high-end anything, let alone their house, and you are not going to get that listing guaranteed. And yes, guys, upper-end sellers, when you're really trying to break into luxury, they are going to pay attention to how you look, your watch brand, everything. Your, your everything. They're going to look you up and down, and they're going to know whether or not you're like them or not, because it does matter. Because they know that the buyer who are, you know, the buyers who come through their house are going to work with agents that are like them as well. Um, you know, this is just a simple fact. Again, I want you to think through this. If you are an upper end buyer and you're looking for multi-million dollar estates, are you going to choose some guy in flip flops that smells funny? Or are you going to choose somebody that looks really nice and, yeah. you know, is it dressed appropriately? You know, is it obviously a professional? You're of course going to go with the professional. Now you might have a beer with flip flop, man. You know, they're probably both equally nice people and maybe equally as, you know, successful in their own ways, quote unquote. But the reality of it is, guys, is these things really do matter. So don't let the simplest of ways to have a competitive advantage in the marketplace uh, slip by you. I mean, when Julie and I go to real estate events nowadays, it is unusual, very unusual to see anybody dressed professionally, including the people who own the brokerage. So when Julie and I do an event, we might be the only ones there that are dressed professionally, but we don't care. Because what we are trying to leave the impression on it, on everyone is it matters how you look. It matters how you present yourself. Ultimately, the reason is is because it shows respect. You're in somebody's house. You're walking around in their house. You didn't even bother to put it on a sport jacket. Really? And you yeah. expect to take their listing? You oh, expect you're, you're putting mud on their white carpet or tile? Come on. Yeah. I mean, this is really basic stuff. But this is what it means to be a professional. These. So if you guys were to hire a coach today, for example, to teach you to say, you know, learn how to, what do you want to learn how to do, Julie? Give me an athletic thing. The, oh, and athletic? A, athletic endeavor. endeavor. I want to get back to my eight minute mile. Okay. So you know what? Actually, I had, I had a better one. You were what? talking to someone about signing Zoe up for tennis lessons, which by the way is hilarious. But so, <laughs> yes. so you're going to find somebody. And when she's, when you do find somebody that's crazy enough to teach our little girl how to play tennis, which won't be me, mm -hmm. um, you, that teacher, that coach is not just going to say, okay, Zoe, let's go and throw it, start, you know, tossing balls over the net. It's going to be everything from the micro steps, these little yes. micro steps, how to hold the racket, how to stand. That's to, my expectation of them. Right. Yes. And if That's you right. if you took Zoe to some place that was just an elaborate babysitter, you know she's only barely, you know she's not even seven yet, who didn't know at the basics and skipped over it and was just burning away their hour, that would be no. the last, they'd have one, they'd be That's one right. and done with teaching or something, mm -hmm. because these are the expectations. A good coach, a good professional, teaches you dr the drill down micro steps. That's what we do. And if you guys have been in the business for a long time and you're realizing by listening to us that there's a lot of micro steps that you need to go back and you know learn for the first time, then go back and do it. And I'd like to end today's show with Julie, again, telling us a music story because how often do you come ac someone, across someone like Julie who was actually a professional orchestra mm -hmm. and you know did soundtracks and whatnot. So Julie, I'll set you up here. Yes. When we were living in Las Vegas, mm -hmm. we had this baby grand piano mm -hmm. that was at the, and, uh, the downstairs of our place. It was on the strip, right? And you wanted to dust off your piano skills. Yes. And so I challenged you to, frankly, hire the best professional mm -hmm. uh, piano player or piano teacher that you could. Mm -hmm. And you ended up finding a guy who was way beyond um, professional. Absolutely. And his name was Raja, right? Yep. And actually, let's start with actually not just went to Juilliard, but graduated from there. And also is a regular performer with Cirque du Soleil with his own show. 
with just incredible piano stuff. Well, not so, and you never actually had, did you ever have one single live lesson with him? Yeah, I had a few before he was traveling and we yeah. were traveling. So the deal was this guy would agree to teach Julie. Obviously she was paying him a lot. Uh, in exchange, he was had to give her lessons on Skype. So, <laughs> Which is a whole other story. This, but, and this was yeah. a while ago. This was back before Zoom. But yeah, so Julie would be doing Skype lessons with Raja when he was in mostly the Middle East, right? And Philippines and all over the world really, yeah. with Cirque. All right, yeah. so I'm picking up from there. Yeah. Okay, well, so I had, piano was never my first instrument. It was really like, a lot of people learn piano as a bass that teaches you how to read music and stuff like that. And I did some piano competitions, but I was never like piano rock star. And I would take piano lessons from my flute teacher, which was my main instrument uh, historically, or people that were kind of like just, you know, convenient piano teachers that everybody knew about. And I never had a second thought about it. I just thought, you know, I'll do my thing and I'll learn the basics and I'll, you know, I got going pretty well. And then I, I sort of went back to a lot of uh, flute and orchestra playing. And then when we were in Vegas, I decided let's, you know, I've got this beautiful piano. I want to learn how to play it. Hire Raja, a real piano instructor, which much to my dismay was quite different than people who just kind of did it as a side hustle, right? And I had no idea, especially as a kid, I did, had no filter to know. But he exposed all of my workarounds, my hacks, my lack of really learning it correctly in the first place, from the most basic scales to fingerings to just like mind-bogglingly detailed, but also many aha moments where it was like, well, crap, if I just learned it right in the first place, I'd know how to do this. So you didn't learn right in the first place because of two reasons. Yeah. One, your teachers were not as good as Raja. Not even close. And maybe they were teaching bad practices to you, their hacks that they had learned from somebody Absolutely. else. Absolutely. And never, they but, weren't bad pianists, but they were not great teachers. There's a difference. Right. And But number two, so they didn't know yeah. what they were teaching exactly. was not best practices. Yep. But number two, they really weren't paying that close attention to whether or not you. No, were, yeah, they were kind of just getting it through slide. the hour. Yeah, yeah, and and probably partially because I wasn't going to be a piano rock star, and I was just kind of learning the the rote skills. So maybe they didn't want to invest that much. I don't know, but to, it's night and day difference learning from somebody who is an absolute specialist at something who has actually done. I mean, I never intended to be a performance piano person like him, but. Oh my goodness, it was different. Just completely earth-shattering different. And, and so, I had no appreciation for it until So I had he that. he broke you back down to a new player. Absolutely. To that status. I, it would have been better if I had started fresh than all the stuff he had to reprogram on me. I remember you would uh, uh, secretly celebrate when he couldn't do your class, your, yeah. your lesson. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I remember you used to practice for like two hours before you had a lesson with him. Yeah, because, you know, I lived in the fear of Raja. And he wouldn't let you uh, continue. No, he would never let anything slide. Yeah, nothing slide. That's what a good nothing. coach does. Yeah. That's what all of you guys need. Which at times <laughs> is annoying. I'll give you that. Well, but when you put <laughs> Challenging. The, when you went back and you rebuilt the way things should have been done in the first place, and then you started so playing again, what was the experience? It was enlightening. It was so much better. Why? And different. Why? Because uh, I could see, I mean, I'm kind of analytical, so my answer is different than yours. But uh, the because I understood at a deeper level what I was trying to do, I actually got it. And I think if I were to make it similar to real estate, you know, people sometimes will be like, oh, I don't want to follow a script. It's not me. That's because you don't understand the point of a script. Once you do it and it works for you, then you're like, ah, oh, now I get it. And I'm going to do this every time. It's like when people learn objection handling. Then they're, once they know how to do it and they've done it a few times successfully, then there not their attitude going to a listing presentation totally different? They're like, bring it on. 
what objection am I going to hear? Because I know I can handle it. But that's right there where I want all these guys to get yeah. to. And that's that level of confidence only comes from having a system that you know works. And a lot and of you trusting guys, too. Right, exactly. Well, yes. But a lot of you guys, you really do not have your head screwed on straight about any of this. And I see, frankly, people that are also, you know, telling the world that they're coaches and trainers. Mm -hmm. They're not telling you guys what to do. They basically give you guys a bunch of ideas and think somehow magically you're able to put these ideas together into something effective. And then you don't succeed, or at least you don't succeed at the level you otherwise would if you'd fall on a proven path. Doesn't this just make sense? Doesn't this just feel like an intuitive, you know, obvious thing that we're trying to help you guys understand? So if you learned it wrong in the first place or you never completely learned it, go back and relearn it. That's what this time of year is all about. If you are starting out in real estate, do it right the first time. That way you don't have to go back and have someone named Raja beat on you to get it right, right? Seriously. And, I, you know, I do have a lot of respect for the, you know, freshly licensed newbies that are like, okay, I got my license yesterday and I joined your coaching the same day. I think that's awesome because they don't have any of those workaround bad habit problems. I'll tell you, I, yes, of course. But the ones I really appreciate are the ones that have the epiphany, realizing that they've been, you know, walking the line between being wanting to be a listing agent, never quite ever getting there, but being buyer's agents prominently. Mm -hmm. And now they're starting to realize because they set their egos aside and they've realized you know, that there's a difference between quitting and quitting while you're ahead. So maybe they're ahead, maybe they're having a good year, but they didn't have the year that they wanted to and they're realizing that their business has not changed, their financial outlook has not changed and they're finally concluding it's not another gimmick that they need. They just need to go back and learn how to do things correctly in the first place. And that way you guys can become, a, you know, essentially a dominant listing agent. You can become somebody who's a majority of transactions come from the listing side of the business. There's less competition on that side of the fence, I promise you because how many agents right now will even listen to half of what we just said for you guys to do, right? If you think about it, it's the 95-5 rule. I bet you in real estate, it's more like the 1% in the 99-1 rule because most other agents are not going to take the time to really do the real work of real estate because nobody else out there other than Julie and I, as far as I know, are always telling you guys to, if you want long-term ever-increasing levels of success, you have to you know, master the art and science of doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. It will require more effort than maybe you're accustomed to. It will require more time than maybe you're accustomed to. But on the other side of it, you're going to be financially free because you're going to be able to create your own business consistently. And you're not going to be one of these agents that's constantly living in fear of, you know, where's your next paycheck coming from? Because you'll control your next paychecks coming from because every day you're going to be able to set our goal. And then we have done this with, you know, gazillions of agents is every single day that you choose to, you can set a pre-qualified listing appointment, list one, take one that, I mean, mm -hmm. set one, take one. That's the rule. Set an appointment, take an appointment every single day. And at the end of not very much time, you completely change your financial uh, trajectory really to know what to, uh, how to get on path with that. You have to start with a list of the things you're going to stop doing. And the things that you're going to stop doing, frankly, for many of you are going to be 90% of what you're doing in your real estate practice right now under the guise of lead generation and building your business and working on your systems and working on your brand and all the rest of it. Because those things do not pass muster with regards to what's going to put money in your pocket in the next 90 days, what's going to help you help the most people, and what's going to produce the ne 
net the the most net profit. When you start with approaching your business with those very rigid rules, you'll find that most of the things out there don't qualify for your attention. And then you can get back on track and do the things that you know you should be doing. And guys, listen, on the other side of that, acceptance is a sense of freedom because you'll never be looking for direction because you'll have that sense of direction in your heart and you will not be distracted anymore by the pretty shiny objects. And when they approach you, when they pop up in your email or whatever, you will laugh at them because you'll mm. see them for what they are. Anything else you want to say? Well, I think that's well, very well put. Now they all have to do something about it. So this, again, was getting you ready to do the hard work, the challenging work that you all can handle and should be committing to about listings. And we're going to start that tomorrow. So pay attention. All right, guys, have a fantastic day. If you need us for anything, you can always text me directly at 512-758-0206. Thanks. Have a fantastic day. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris.